You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive, and welcome to our first guest episode of 2020. In today's episode, I'm having a conversation with Stanford-trained clinical psychologist, Dr. Wendy O'Connor. Wendy uses cognitive behavioral therapy and positive psychology to treat stress management, anxiety, and depression, and she's also a life strategist and coach who helps women live more fulfilling, meaningful lives, truly helping folks go from surviving to thriving. I thought it would be the perfect way to kick off the new year, especially for anyone who has be happier or stress less on their list of resolutions. I am so excited to speak with Wendy and share our conversation with you today on Thrive. Be sure to stay tuned through this episode, drop us your thoughts on social media, and without further ado, welcome Wendy. Thank you so much, Erica. I am really grateful to be here. Yay. So first things first, give us the backstory of you, maybe your professional background and maybe a bit of your personal background too, that led you on the path that you're on now of merging your psychology degree and coaching brain to do what you do and serve patients both clinically and casually. Absolutely. So I have been practicing as a psychologist for the last 11 years. I have no idea where the time goes. (laughs) And I started out as a very specifically trained cognitive behavioral therapist. So my primary focus was anxiety and depression management, stress management for several years of my practice. And then life took a turn about six years into my clinical work when I had my first daughter And when she turned six months old, found out that I was pregnant with twins. So I had three daughters under two, three daughters in diapers, and it was completely life-changing experience as you would expect. (laughs) (laughs) It was wild. And so I thought I was actually handling the stress of it pretty well. I kept my practice going. I kept my children alive. I thought I was doing great. And then I started to notice these strange symptoms that are, were unexplainable to me. So I started to see my hair was not able to grow. So it was breaking. I couldn't grow it at all. My nails were cracking in the middle of the nail beds, which was so odd. And my front teeth were getting loose from me, clenching so hard at night and grinding my teeth that my two front teeth started to get loose. And I was like, there's a problem. I have to go to the doctor. So I went to my doctor. I said, please do all the lab work. Something's terribly wrong. And he did all the lab work and he said, you are healthy, but you're really stressed out. And so your lab works fine, but you're going to have to change your lifestyle. Mm. So I left that doctor's office really frustrated that I thought I had it more together than I actually did. And I had to actually start practicing what I've been preaching for all these years. Mm. So I started to revamp my lifestyle. And in that process, I discovered positive psychology. And in that research, I realized there was so much more 
that I could be doing to live a life I loved and to help my clients live a life that they loved. And so I dove into that and I've been practicing with that ever since. And that's also what prompted me to launch my coaching practice was really understanding my personal pull to have greater impact on women. And so now I coach women all over the country on creating lives that are meaningful and fulfilling so that they can feel less overwhelmed and less stressed and really actually love their lives. Oh, I love that. And positive psychology was one of my absolute favorite classes that I ever took when I was in college. So I feel myself already nerding out and just wanting to soak up everything that you have to say. (laughs) So for everyone who is listening, who does not already know, what actually is positive psychology? And I mean, how does it have the power to help people overcome such huge life obstacles like anxiety and depression and I mean, these huge things that you help women overcome. Right. So it's incredibly powerful. So positive psychology, it was really talking about the scientific study of what a good life looks like, what truly makes life worth living. So whereas we have focused traditionally in therapy on mental illness or mental health issues or problems or pathology, positive psychology really focuses on how to enhance the good. So what's already going well, what are individual strengths that we may not be celebrating and how we can actually flourish based on those strengths and the daily behaviors and mindset shifts that we can be making that oftentimes we don't even think is under our control. So when it comes to anxiety and depression, for example, one of the ways that we really focus on creating sustainable change is in sustainable change in the mindset. You have to change what you think and what you focus on if you want to change how you feel emotionally. And positive psychology allows us the opportunity to really focus on creating a flourishing life based on those shifts. And that's cool too, because nowhere in there did you say, okay, we're eliminating all of the bad things from your life or we're eliminating everything that makes you anxious or everything. It's really about finding that balance between the two and just shifting your perspective So I love that too, because I I think that that's probably a misconception that a lot of people have and think, oh, to never have anxiety again, I need to just eliminate the anxiety altogether or eliminate depression altogether. And that can feel so heavy and so impossible for so many people. So I love that you just mentioned that it's like a, a shift of perspective to flourish and what you're focusing on to create something more sustainable and better. I love that. So I know you say that you coach women on designing a meaningful life using what you call the science of happiness. So tell us about that and what that looks like, because I know I've talked to so many folks who feel like they're on this quest to find happiness in life. And we hear about the pursuit of happiness all of the time. So where's that balance between happiness being something you find or that happens upon you and it being something that you create as you're going through and making these mindset shifts? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. So I believe that our journeys shouldn't be about finding happiness. It isn't something you're going to find under a rock. It's about designing a life you love. It's about creating that, that product of a flourishing life by changing your mindset and by changing your behavior, by changing those daily habits that we engage in on autopilot. So what a lot of us don't realize is that about 50% of our happiness is based in genetics. About 10% is based in life circumstance. And 40% comes down to our daily choices, our behaviors, our mindset. 
And so people don't realize that we actually have an incredible amount of control. Now the pessimists will say, well, it's not that much. 50% is already determined for us. <laughs> but the optimists and maybe the realists would say, oh my goodness, I actually have so much more control than I would have thought. So if 40% of our happiness is actually a product of our current daily choices, we have so much control over creating happiness. It's not something that we're going to just discover around the next corner or that we're going to experience from winning the lottery or landing that loving relationship or getting the bigger house. It actually comes from very small but deliberate daily behavior choices. I love that. So what do you see being the most common obstacles that people face in, in doing that, in creating their own happiness and shifting their perspective or even in reaching their goals in life? What are kind of like, are there any that you see repeatedly in your practice that, you know, maybe a lot of people are struggling with that's impacting that sort of recognition of where they can be happier or recognition, yeah. in, you know, the realization of their goals? Yeah, absolutely. So the, what I see on the daily is that our old programming. So the clients that come to see me, women that come to see me say, I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling unfulfilled. I have a lot to be grateful for, but I don't know why I'm not really loving my life. And what it comes down to, the biggest obstacle is our old programming. So we've developed these beliefs that have been conditioned in us for decades. And those beliefs become the way we see the world. It becomes the lens that we look at the world through. We don't realize that our brain secretes these thoughts up to 60,000 a day and how so many of those thoughts not only are conditioned and just something we've chosen to believe because we've been taught it for so long, but also how many of those thoughts are actually negative. So a lot of the work that I do with women is reprogramming, rescripting, restructuring, the negative belief system that keeps us stuck and held back. So the number one obstacle I see is that we operate from that old programming mm. and that we don't really recognize that we have so much power over rescripting our new programming. So that's the number one thing. Everyone comes to me with their old programming and that old programming can show up in the name of fear. I'm afraid I can't. I'm afraid I don't know how. I'm afraid I'll fail. It can show up in just feeling stuck, like maybe looking at the negative more, looking at what we don't have, not practicing gratitude. So that old programming is really pervasive for us. The second thing that's a major obstacle is that women that I work with typically use motivation as their guide for behavior change or mindset change. Mm. And so what we don't realize is that motivation is like the weather. So if you were going to decide that you're only going to leave the house the next time it was sunny, we might be waiting in the house for weeks, depending on where we are in the winter. And so we can't use motivation to guide us. We need to use our strengths, our values, and our goals and create grits and perseverance and determination. But motivation tends to be one of those biggest contributors to why we feel stuck is because we're waiting to feel it again. We're waiting for it to, to greet us at the door. And that's just not how it works. That's so fascinating. And it makes so much sense. What is maybe one or two things that women who are listening can start to do right now to maybe identify if they're operating on old programming, so to speak, and then to maybe take that first step to starting to shift that to, to a new perspective? 
So, so we are all operating on old programming unless you've done the work and have created the new programming script. Like unless you have done the work and are saying, this is what I want to believe. This is what I want to think. And this is how I want to feel. And this is how I'll get there. We're all operating from that subconscious mind from that old programming mm -hmm. state. So what we really want to focus on the first step is just to acknowledge, Oh, there it is again. I know it's there because it's the way I typically see things or the way I typically react or the way my goals typically go. And so when we see those patterns in our mindset and those patterns in our behavior, they're the result of the old programming. The way we can change that is simply to do some initial visualization exercises and mindset work around, well, if this isn't serving me, if I'm not living a life I love because I'm just on autopilot from my old programming, what would I choose to change in the way I see my life and the way I see the world that could actually serve me and allow me to reach my goals and to persevere? So the first thing we want to do is really imagine what that life would look like if we were scripting it. And as soon as we can start to identify what those words are, how we want to feel, how we want to think, how we want to live our lives, we're now opening a door to create that very thing in our lives. So. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more for anyone who might have just heard that and immediately their old programming is going off going, oh, that's just, that's just woo woo or that's just, oh, how can I just think of it and then it will happen. Tell us a little bit about how that actually works then and the power of the mind in actually bringing about the things that you tell it and the things that you put there. Because I think there's probably some disconnect for some people who have never heard of this before where they immediately might be going, oh, that's impossible. That won't work for me. Mm, of course. Those might be the pessimists. <laughs> so really what we, what we need to focus on is the power of action. So it is never about just thinking your way to your goals, but you won't get anywhere without it. Mm. So you have to actually lay the foundation. So it's really essentially like imagining your road from here to your destination, from here to the results that you're seeking in your life, from here to your goal. And the road that's beneath you is going to be all of the mindset work that you do to prepare yourself, how you want to feel, how you want to think, how you want to show up, how you want to live your life. And you're going to imagine that, but you're going to be very specific. So you could do some writing exercises around the specific thoughts or phrases or images that come to mind. But what really allows you to get to your destination isn't just paving a road. You have to drive down it. So you're going to have to get in your car and you're going to have to be very deliberate and you're going to have to let those obstacles that come up on your journey pass you by as just typical standard obstacles. And you're going to choose to persevere through action. So it's never just think it and it will be. It is think it, imagine it, and create it. And that action piece is non-negotiable. I love that you just said that because I think that that's something people probably struggle with. And maybe there's people who are constantly not hitting a certain goal, wondering why me, why is this not happening? But if you really take that step back and look at everything in your life and everything you're doing, I think oftentimes we might not be on that path, actively driving down to go from point A to point B to make it happen. We sit there and we think, somebody else will do it for me or the universe will manifest it or God will make it happen or something will just come to fruition, forgetting that sometimes 
we have to do the dang thing ourselves. <laughs> we always have to do the dang thing ourselves. Exactly. And we have to really take that opportunity to feel empowered and excited instead of burdened and overwhelmed and daunted by it. And so a lot of the time, what I see is that women will get excited and they'll say, oh my gosh, I can't wait to reach this goal, whatever it is. And they get on their road that they paved for themselves, but then there's traffic. And then the traffic comes in the form of either mental or physical barriers or obstacles, and they get discouraged. Or there's a, um, some construction and there's a detour and they lose their excitement or enthusiasm or motivation and lose their footing. And so they lose that desire to be gritty and that desire to persevere and they lose their way and they get discouraged and they decide to quit on themselves. So that action piece, the mindset is, is absolutely the most important investment you could ever make in yourself. However, it cannot be without action. You have to keep picking yourself up and putting yourself back on that highway and reminding yourself of the destination, this life worth living is worth the effort and worth the dedication. What a good visual metaphor too. So what are a few ways maybe to change your mindset in the moment if you feel yourself spiraling downward or spiraling negatively? Because I know I've been there, maybe you've been there, and I'm sure listeners have been there where something just clicks and you're on a negative spiral down and you need something to actively break yourself out of that. What do you do? Yes. There are so many things we can do. Here are a couple of things. One thing you can do in the moment and the most important thing is to catch yourself. So what we want to imagine is that we have the power to stop ourselves before we go down that rabbit hole. But oftentimes we are stuck on that autopilot. So we just let those thoughts, our brains secrete those thoughts and we follow those thoughts wherever they go and they take us down this rabbit hole and then we feel stuck. And so if you can catch yourself early on, that's going to pave the way for you to be able to make adjustments and tweaks very easily and seamlessly. When we don't catch ourselves, then we feel like we really kind of like are in the deep end, so to speak, and it's much harder to swim to shore. So catch yourself first, which simply means just notice up, oh, I'm at that place right now that I could either feed or fuel this negative thinking or this anxiety mindset, and I could let it run away from me, or I can choose the alternative, which is to pause, which is to breathe, which is to focus on something different. So one of the easiest things we can do to get ourselves out of that rabbit hole mindset is to focus on just being present in the moment. Where am I? What am I doing? Oh, I was washing dishes. Okay. I'm washing the dishes. I feel the warm water on my hands. I just, I'm drying dishes. I hear the Christmas music or the holiday music. I hear the podcast in the background, right? I'm actually bringing myself back to this present moment and I'm highlighting all the details so that when I'm focused on this present moment, when I'm focused on what I'm seeing, hearing, smelling, feeling, tasting, I'm not simultaneously able to go down the rabbit hole of worry because I brought myself back to this moment. So that's one easy way that we can halt that process. The other thing to think about doing is actually called thought stopping. So when a thought comes up that could take hold and could grab you, to really focus on saying to yourself out loud or in your head and even to picture a stop sign, stop. I'm not going down that path right now. That path doesn't serve me. It only makes me feel badly. I'm choosing to opt out. I can unsubscribe from this journey right now and I can choose something else to focus on instead. So those are two really helpful, easy ways to say, not today, not right now. I love that. You mentioned before too, 
pessimism versus optimism. So I know you're a self-proclaimed optimist and I'm a self-proclaimed, probably optimistic realist. So how might a self-proclaimed pessimist go about changing their perspective to be more positive without feeling fake or inauthentic? Mm -hmm. So um, you have to choose. First of all, you have to want it. So pessimists are going to need to want it. They're going to need to see or imagine the value in shifting their perspective. That's number one. They're going to have to want it. So if they want it, all things are possible. If they don't, they're just going to keep failing and they're going to keep quitting on it. So if they want it, it's a matter of choice. So choice is the biggest contributor to what we do with our thoughts. So either we choose to opt in and believe the thoughts that our brain is secreting, or we choose to opt out and say, that doesn't serve me and how I want to feel today. However, you will feel inauthentic because it's inauthentic to you. So it's not going to be a reasonable expectation that all of a sudden you say to yourself, okay, today's the day. I'm gonna put on my positivity hat and I'm gonna greet the world with smiles and happiness and rainbows and butterflies and it's gonna feel like who I truly am. It's not. It's going to feel fake and inauthentic and that's actually part of the journey. When we do anything new, when we set out to achieve any goal that's unfamiliar to us or that we're, we're going down a road that we've never been down, it's going to feel bumpy. It's going to feel unauthentic. It's going to feel forced even. I've had some clients say, it feels so forced. And I'm like, of course it does. You're learning a new language. So when a pessimist is trying to go from this negative mindset to a mindset that's more hopeful or more positive or more enthusiastic about the life that they live, it's going to feel somewhat forced, but that's because they're doing something that they're not familiar with. And so that's also temporary, but just remembering that we every single day and every moment of every day have the opportunity to choose how we want to think and how we want to feel in this moment. It's up to us. I love that. And do you know, is there any statistic or maybe scientific fact there behind how many times a pessimist might need to repeat something to themselves or just keep reinforcing the positive message instead of the negative one before they start believing it? So what we know from negativity bias is that our brains are designed to continually bring us back to the negative. So we may have 60,000 thoughts a day up to, we may also have up to 70% of those being negative in nature. Wow. So the idea that we have kind of the card stacked against us means that it's going, we're going to have to be much more deliberate about what we do with each thought that we notice. So for a pessimist going through this process of changing their thoughts from negative to positive, we also have to understand that we are designed, our brains are really designed to keep us thinking negatively in order to keep us safe and protected. And so the short answer is many times, many times, and then many more times. It really <laughs> is going to be about getting yourself in that headspace every moment that you can bring awareness to it and say, oh, there I go again. Let me switch gears. Oh, there it is again, an opportunity to see things differently. Oh, there goes my brain trying to keep me safe and let my fears drive my bus. So it's just noticing that awareness is really key, but in terms of repetition, it really ought to be quite consistent. It needs to be a lot because think about how long we've been living. Think about how many years we've been conditioned to believe the thoughts that we've been conditioned to believe. It's not an overnight fix. It's going to be something that takes deliberate action and consistency and the choice to show up. 
So if a listener is hearing this now thinking, all right, I'm on board, sounds great, but I feel terrified or I feel really overwhelmed and she wants to start evaluating and changing her own life for the better, but is facing this total overwhelm in doing so, where should she begin? Where's an easy starting place to kind of start making the, making these evaluations and then moving forward and making progress? The easiest place to begin is with what it is that you picture for your life. What do you want? Close your eyes. Let it be fun. Let it be light. Let it be enthusiastic and hopeful without needing the strategy just yet. So stay in that happy place of, I was made for more. I desire more. I want true happiness in my life. Well, then bring that to life in your mind. What does it look like? Who are you with? How are you spending time? How are you spending and earning money? What house do you live in? Where are you? What are you doing in your free time for fun? So really it comes down to painting a picture that elicits positive emotion and elicits a higher energy that you can say, oh, that sounds great. That sounds amazing. I really want that. If only I could just have it. Once you get to that place and you allow yourself to have some fun with it and get creative, then we get to talk seriously about, all right, well, how do we get there? So first thing is just to visualize what you want and all the details, bring all the colors to light. And then the next step is going to be, well, how do I break it into super small baby steps that are not overwhelming, but super tangible, super practical, and really create the results that you're seeking on a daily, monthly, and yearly basis. So I guess that sounds like there's a lot of daily work involved for people, I'm sure. And you've mentioned the mindset takes work every single day. Do you have a daily mindset practice that you do yourself? And is that something that you recommend that listeners do themselves? I do. And so I know that when we talk about strategy, that's where folks get a little bit overwhelmed because they say, oh my gosh, I have to revamp my entire life. And I say, no, you don't. Not your entire life. You need to really focus on a couple core pieces. And one of the pieces that I focus on with my clients is the morning routine. So morning routines allow us to set the tone for the day. It's the quietest time of the day that we can show up for ourselves before the rest of the world needs us. And we can set the tone and intention for how we want to feel and how we want to think. So my daily mindset work is around meditating. So I often start, if not every day, most days of the week, I start with a five minute meditation that allows me to ground myself and be in the present moment. It allows me to just give myself this clean slate opportunity to reset. And then after my meditation, I set my intentions. And my intentions are really the simple, answering the simple question, how do I want to feel today? Who do I want to be today? And this means that we're flexible with it because there are some days I may wake up from having terrible sleep. Maybe the kids came in at night. Maybe I got up to go to the bathroom and then all the thoughts started filling my head with all the to-dos or tasks that are coming up. So we have to be really flexible with how we accommodate our needs. But the morning routine for me is pretty much a non-negotiable more often than not because it just allows me to make the choice to show up. So I set my intentions and I say, how do I want to feel today? How do I want to be today? And I'll write a couple of those sentences down and I'll write down what my focus is. What do I really need to focus on? What's the most important thing for me today? And that just allows me to show up. So for example, one of my recent intentions was to be patient. And so I reminded myself throughout the day, especially around the kiddos, that I, my intention is to be patient. And so what action would that need to, to, how would I need to act in order to reflect that intention? 
And so intention setting isn't just, again, this woo-woo idea of, oh, I just think it, and it, it is. We think it, but we must create it and design it. So what behaviors would I engage in today that would allow me to have a more patient mindset and approach to my life? And this is something I do every morning. So smart. We did a previous podcast episode on morning routines. So I encourage listeners to go back and revisit that one if you have missed it or if you need a refresher, because truly makes the world of difference. It's on my own list every single day to make sure mornings are prioritized and really tackled intentionally for you because so often we lose that time and it is, it's truly invaluable. Can you talk to us a little bit about a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset? Because I think this is just fascinating. (laughs) And I'm sure there's some people who might not know the difference between the two, let alone which one they personally have. So teach us. (laughs) Yeah. So we all, we tend to have, we tend to have a bit of a combination of the two. So a lot of us tend to have a combination of a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. And the, the, the way that a growth mindset and a fixed mindset is understood is that uh, a growth mindset is about intelligence being something that can be developed versus static. And so fixed mindset is this belief that intelligence is static. This is how it is. There's nothing you can do to change it. And a growth mindset is really about what's possible. Intelligence can be developed. And this tends to be the case. So when when we think about, well, how would a growth mindset show up in our daily life? It's when we can embrace challenge, when we choose to persist, when we overcome obstacles, when we reward ourselves even for the learning process, when we learn lessons along the way instead of letting ourselves fail and quit on ourselves, when we see the effort that we put in as a path to gaining mastery over something versus that fixed mindset that nothing we can do, this is how it is. And so I think about this a lot when it comes to happiness, because when we think about maybe a growth mindset, if we were to attribute it to happiness, we think what's possible. So growth mindset with happiness is about what's possible, what we can have, what we can create, what we can learn from, what we can do, what we can shed. And the fixed mindset would really be about, well, this is just how it is. 50% genetics, that's just who I am. This is just the way it is. There's nothing I can do to change. So it really does give us a ton of hope about creating lives that we want, knowing that we can have a growth mindset about it. That's awesome. And that segues beautifully into my next question for you, which was what advice would you give to people who have be happy or maybe stress less or don't worry as a new year's resolution? How can they actually go about making that happen in everyday life? It comes down to your daily habits. Your daily habits create that road that we talked about. So your daily habits are both your mindset and your behavioral patterns of behavior you engage in every day or more often than not, if we were to think of that 80-20 rule. So the first thing to really think about as you go into a new year and you have this beautiful clean slate ahead of you where everything is possible, to think about how you create and design your day. And so once you write down what your, let's say you do a New Year's resolution, or you say you set your intentions for the year, or your big one main goal, the next thing to do is to really ask yourself, what parts of your life reflect that goal? So maybe there's some things you're already doing well, and we want to celebrate those wins. We also want to look at opportunities for growth and change. And so look at your daily life and ask yourself, in order to reach this goal, what would have to shift what would need to be added 
or what would need to be taken away in my life to create the results I so desire. So know what you want and write it down and be specific. But the one piece that we typically skip doing is to also write down the why. Why do I want this? Why do I want to get out of debt in 2020? Why do I want to create a love, a loving relationship for myself in the new year? Why do I want to buy a house? Why do I want to get that promotion? What is it that I desire, but why do I want it? It's so important. And then once you answer those questions, then you reflect on your life as it stands today from a place of curiosity, not judgment and criticism, and ask yourself, what would need to shift in order for me to have it? How much of it is mindset? How much of it is that I feed the wrong thoughts that just keep me stuck and overwhelmed? And how much of it is actual behavior change that needs to take place in order to reach those goals? That's awesome. So building off of that then, that sounds like it also fits very nicely into doing like a year-end review. Or I saw someone, I think it might have been Marie Forleo, talk recently about a decade-end review, which felt very big. So how would we build off of that then to analyze all of 2019? Or, oh my goodness, all of the 2000s or all of the 2010s, you know, what other questions should we be asking ourselves in looking at this as really bigger picture? So my advice is to start small and it always is to start small because if we don't, we get overwhelmed. So I would start with just 2019. And the questions that I would invite you to ask yourselves are, what went well? So what were my five to 10 biggest wins of 2019? So these are things either that you succeeded with or that you accomplished that you followed through on. They're going to be something that stands out to you. Maybe it's a positive memory that went just beautifully and that you want to hold on to always. What were the five to 10 biggest wins of 2019? Then you're going to look back over the year and ask yourself, what are maybe the top five lessons you learned? Notice that this is not looking at your failures, but looking at the opportunities to learn lessons along the journey. So what were maybe your top few lessons that you learned in this year? What did you learn from missteps? What did you learn from heartache? What did you learn from um, perceived failures over the course of the year? What were those lessons? Because those lessons are something we want to take with us. And it's a way that we can look more positively at something that, that creates more negative emotion in us typically. And then we want to look forward over the next year. What do I want to bring from 2019 that's going well in my life into 2020? Because it's going well, it's serving me and my goals and the way I want to show up in this life. So I'm going to carry it with me. And what might I like to change? So what's the one big goal? I do not encourage you to write down 10 big goals for 2020. I invite you to choose one. What's the most important goal? Why is it so important? Meaning what are the specific results that you want to get out of this next year and reaching that goal? And also what will reaching that goal bring to your life? What value does it add? What is your why behind it? And then I love strategy. So I get really specific and say, well, let's then work our way backwards. So what would each month look like in order to serve that bigger goal? How would things change monthly? Break that down into weekly and break that down into daily. And that's where we get back to our daily habits. So this means how we are showing up for ourselves, how we show, show up to the world. It means how we prioritize ourselves. And what it also really means is how we set boundaries in our lives around protecting our energy and protecting our time. So we can get very specific if you desire it, but start small 
start with one year at a time. And if you're feeling really excited about it all, go for the decade end review. But start small before you get overwhelmed because I think we get ourselves a little too excited and then we lose our motivation because we get the overwhelm kicking in. Absolutely. Wow. I know what I feel like doing once we hop off of this call is to do some really deep self-analysis of the year. (laughs) So if listeners do not feel ready to do that right now, what are you doing? Because that was awesome. I think those were really helpful tips. So thank you for breaking it down in such a tactical way for everybody. Um, because I mean, I think everyone should just hit rewind and start taking notes if you weren't as of yet, because that is such a good practice to put into place for every single day. So thank you. I want to wrap things up by asking you a question that I ask all guests on Thrive. And that is what does Thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your own everyday life? I love this question. So for me, thrive means two things. It means balance and it means grace. So I strive, I I own two businesses. I'm a mother of three daughters. I'm keeping a house mostly together, (laughs) you know, focusing on prioritizing a happy, healthy marriage, friendships that are like family. So it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of intention behind that effort. And so for me, it's about balance. It's about making sure that those most important boxes, the most important ones, not all of the boxes that could be tended to, but the most important ones that they are getting checked off because that's what really feeds my soul and makes me feel whole. The second part is grace because honestly, life changes all the time. And even though we show up thinking and wanting it to go one way, we can just be completely blindsided at the drop of a hat. And if we don't give ourselves permission to give ourselves grace when we misstep or when we do not reach our expectations or when we are less than perfect, we're not going to stay in the game for the long haul and we're going to give up. And so for me to really thrive, it means I need to be flexible and I need to grant myself grace because I'm not perfect. I'm very flawed. I make lots of mistakes but I just make the choice to get up and start again and to start again and to start again. So balance and grace would be the two words that really represent my ability to thrive. And special shout out and highlight again to the note that it is a choice and that you have to choose to try again and start again and get back up no matter how many times you fall or misstep because it's you and only you that has that power to stand back up and move forward. So. I love that. Thank you so much, Wendy, for joining us today. This was fabulous. Where can people find you online? So thank you, first of all, Erica, for having me. It's been a real pleasure for me. It's definitely going to be part of my gratitude list today to be here with you. So uh, people can find me on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Wendy O'Connor. So that's D-R-W-E-N-D-Y-O-C-O-N-N-O-R. Uh, and drwendyoconnor.com as well. I have a program that I am running, which is called Your Life by Design. And it is a 12-week bespoke personal mentorship program. So I go through with my clients the A to Z on living a thriving life based on the science of happiness. And it's all tactical and it's all strategy. So I invite you to check me out in those spots and ask me anything. I love hearing from you guys. Yay. Thank you so much, Wendy. And have an awesome rest of your day. (laughs) Thanks. You too, Erica. 
Wait, before you go, if you like what you just listened to, drop us five stars on iTunes. Make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. And if you're on Instagram, snap a screenshot and share to your story with what episode you're tuning into and tag me at Erica Legenza with what part resonated with you the most. That way I can see what's helping you and your friends can pick up a helpful tidbit too. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.